from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And we're going to be talking uh, the development of our cybersecurity ecosystem at Port San Antonio and really in uh, San Antonio overall here today. Uh, with a, a former guest of the program, uh, Will Garrett. He's in a new role. Uh, if you've uh, never heard of Port San Antonio, we've also had the CEO of uh, Port San Antonio on, uh, Jim Pershbach. Uh, you can uh, check out our past episodes if you're not going to be able to continue listening to this one here uh, today uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com or uh, on your favorite podcasting service out there uh, on the internet. Uh, we're also available on iHeart Streaming. If you are in your car and you hop out and you do want to keep listening, uh, go ahead and put that iHeart app on your phone. Uh, look up 1200 WAI on there, and you can uh, continue to listen uh, to the program live. So, Will, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be back on, Brett. Yeah. So, let's see. Last time you were here, we were talking BuildSec Foundry, maybe? Yep, that in Cybersecurity San Antonio. San Antonio. That. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what's uh what's going on there and then you passed a baton and transitioned into a new role so help uh catch up our listeners with what uh you're up to now and uh what that transition period looked like sure i think the last time i was on we were talking about the launch of buildsec foundry which is still up and running a incubator facility located here at geekdom downtown supporting really the earliest of the early stage product security startups and helping those founders get launched avoid the you know, valley of death and, you know, at least take a product to market here in the community. And then on the cybersecurity San Antonio side, we were probably a year or two into that program. It was a program that you could argue started about 10 years ago when San Antonio was successful at landing the operational headquarters for Air Force's Cyber, which is 24th Air Force. But truly about five years ago, uh, led by industry members like yourself, Brett, they challenged the Chamber of Commerce, they challenged the City of San Antonio, Bear County, the Economic Development Foundation to think about how we more effectively organized our cybersecurity ecosystem, how could we more effectively pitch, recruit, retain, expand jobs in that sector, and thus Cybersecurity San Antonio was launched. Uh, originally as a partnership between the city, the county, and the San Antonio Chamber, and it's still up and running today. I'm proud of the growth of the program, which the start was probably about 50 people that were part of the Cybersecurity Industry Council helping us guide the strategic direction. Today, that's about 350, um, have leadership, core focus areas that have really helped us year over year start to more effectively track the growth in the market or the you know not growth in the market, understand where we're weak or we're strong, what should our outside of market message be. And so, yes, as of two months ago now, uh, transition from that to Port San Antonio, uh, left Cybersecurity San Antonio in very good hands with Amanda Keemer, who we hired to come onto the program a little over a year ago, who is going to keep that program running and kind of keep it as the tip of the sphere from a overall ecosystem coordination perspective. Yeah, and the, the public policy side of things. Absolutely. And in fact, we were all, as an industry, um, joined by members of Jungle Disk, Cyber Fortress as well, up in Austin this past Tuesday and up in D.C. last month doing the advocacy piece, making sure both our elected officials and executives and security roles in both those uh, regions understand San Antonio's role, their leadership role, and gave us a chance to you know, effectively put our opinion in on policy direction, especially at the state level, which 
can both be an economic development policy direction and a state security at the agency critical infrastructure level. So getting a little bit more active than we've been in the past on the policy side for sure. Yeah. And so now you're you're out at Port San Antonio, which you guys dock ships out there, unload cargo. No. Uh, and so tell folks about Port San Antonio, kind of where did the name come from and, and how did we end up with this organization building out the, the west side of San Antonio? Well, from a name standpoint, I'm not sure you're going to get the same story from any one person. <laughs> it's, it's always interesting. This is why I ask. On how we uh, came up with Port San Antonio to your point about the common uh, misperception. It is an inland port, no water access. And I think uh, the ultimate name was was developed because of the large presence of rail from a shipping container side, mass transit standpoint, the airfield there that Port San Antonio talked about the history I shared with Lackland Air Force Base for over 100 years, and just the greater kind of advanced manufacturing, transportation, logistics industry there. So we have almost everything your normal port does without the ships. Uh, the history of port dates back over 100 years ago to what was Kelly Field. Um, most people in San Antonio, if you grew up here, if your parents grew up here, know Kelly Air Force Base. Uh, it was often referred to as the Pats of the Middle Class in San Antonio. It was a massive maintenance, repair, and overhaul facility for aerospace and advanced manufacturing work. The Department of Defense would call it a depot, a yeah. depot, organic depot, and so they did maintenance repair on major military aircraft for decades. Um, in 1995, it was what we call BRACT, Base Realignment Enclosure. Uh, the Department of Defense decided to close that side of the runway, Kelly Air Force Base at the time, it's actually a pretty fascinating story, and I'm sure our CEO, Jim Pershbach, might have mentioned it when he was on with you, but how this community came together, went to the president, in fact, President Clinton at the time, with a message that wasn't trying to fight the decision to close the base, but to ask for time to help us redevelop the base, maintain some of the jobs we had, and not lose the incredible opportunity that it gave for a lot of people in San Antonio. And so it had many iterations after that, but arguably one of, if not the most successful base redevelopment store in the history of the United States, transformed over the last 20 plus years to a private sector employee base, many still supporting government work that is at or beyond the jobs that were there when Kelly was at its peak. Yeah. And for, for those of you that live on the southeast side of San Antonio and you're, you're here and you're new and you're like, what's this Brooks thing? Similar process down there at Brooks. It was a base, then it's no longer a base, and there's an organization helping with the, the redevelopment of it as well. You're absolutely right. And, and in fact, it's a great point when you think about a community being able to redevelop two massive bases in the way we have. And Brooks, Port San Antonio, you drive through both very different environments at this point tactically focused on different industry verticals, um, adding different economic development gains to San Antonio and in various areas. But two, amazing stories about how a community decided to invest and not let what happens in a lot of communities happen, and that is a base go dormant, buildings get decrepit, and it becomes almost impossible to redevelop in. So two, yes, two very exciting campuses on the south side of San Antonio that were former Air Force bases. Yeah, so I was uh, out visiting San Francisco recently. The Presidio there, like, San Francisco is so crowded, lots of problems, and the, there's a big military base that was right up by the the foot of the Golden Gate Bridge. And if, you, if you've never been out to San Francisco, and so there's, uh, I don't know, it's huge. It's it's got to be a hundred acres or more of like land that's just sitting there dormant in San Francisco City proper, that's not getting developed, not help, helping alleviate any of their problems. 
Um, and then you see the, the counter examples with Port San Antonio and Brooks here, uh, where we've done amazing things with both of those uh, that are really spurring growth in a couple areas of the city and, and pulling the center of gravity, hopefully back uh, more centered on the city um, rather than downtown being the south edge of all of the, the industry. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I think the one of the messages that, and I'm sure Brooks does as well, but specifically as to the port, try to drive to other industries in and around San Antonio is the value of some of the physical assets that exist on our property. When you talk about major testing of turbines on airplanes, when you talk about the electromagnetic spectrum, critical infrastructure, security, things that need facilities that are very difficult to do in many places, specifically in, a, in an urban area, that's an advantage that the port has because of the history of the base and some of the the buildings and capabilities it has out there, that it becomes kind of a, as the military would say, force multiplier for some of the technology startups, technology companies, medical companies in San Antonio that may or may not office at the port, but can take advantage of those capabilities to develop products and take it to customers. Yeah. So you think about yeah, building consumer electronics or medical devices, they have to go through different uh, radio frequency testing. Those facilities are um, not very common. You you have one out at the port because um, you, you wouldn't certainly wouldn't want to have a, a new pacemaker or a new insulin pump or something else that if it gets blasted with a frequency doesn't function anymore. So uh, important as pieces of the ecosystem, we pull all these things together here in San Antonio so all the, the different types of innovation uh, can happen. So for, for your own personal career and background, give a little bit of overview of, kind of what's going on at the port. If you, have, you wanted to learn more as a, a listener about that, um, you can check out our past episodes on our website uh, or iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, anything, any podcasting service out there. Look up Port San Antonio or uh, Jim Hirschbach, and uh, he goes into kind of much more of the history than we'll cover here today. But So, for Will, for you, how did you get involved in cybersecurity? I mean, you're not a computer science major in school you you weren't uh, and this is i think one of the things that i want to kind of clear up some of these misconceptions that if you're not like the the kid from the hacker show on tv now what do they call that mr robot if you're not mr robot you can't do cybersecurity, and that's not the case well i'm glad you say that um but yeah absolutely i i've taught to many students high school college students over the years and i will never probably have the mind that some of them do on the technical side some of the team members here at jungle just have um but really, my background in cybersecurity started, as I mentioned, about 10 years ago. In fact, about 12 years ago, when I started working at the San Antonio Chamber, and at that time, we were making the case to the Air Force on why they should locate their cyber command here, as opposed to the D.C. area or anywhere else. Through the development of that case, we recognized that we had a foundational base of assets that, frankly, can put up against any region in the United States in terms of the capabilities, the size of the defense missions, the commercial companies, and so that started our community on a trajectory of how do we align those assets? How do we ensure collaboration? How do we develop a more effective outside brand? Um, and that remains a challenge today in San Antonio because so many of our assets operate in the classified space. And it's, it's a good, good problem to have because the necessary they work, yeah. the work they do on national security. Yeah, I, I joke that often that we, we have companies here, they'll have a website. It'll be abcinc.com. You'll go to the website page and it will say, this is the website of ABC Inc. Here's our address. Here's a phone number you can call us. Here's a fax number. Here's our EEOC and other numbers that we have to have published on a page on the internet. And that's all the website says. <laughs> that's it, yeah. We're trying to change that for some of those that may not need to be that limiting. Um, 
But yeah, so post that announcement, we started growing a focus group of industry that wanted to help really the more formal economic development agencies in San Antonio understand what was cybersecurity, what was information security, how could we expand this industry. And that, that came to a head about six years ago. It started right at the end of then Mayor Julian Castro's term, where the city put up some resources, the chamber and the industry put up some resources, and through a, a study by a national consultant, identified where San Antonio kind of stood versus other regions that were claiming to be cyber hubs or going after uh, cyber companies. And so through that process, I one of my jobs was, how do I know every single cyber company in San Antonio? What are their capabilities? What are their needs? What are their pain points? And so it's really been just a continual learning about the security industry writ large. And cybersecurity, somewhat least worst word, um, security yeah. and cyber, and what is cyber, and everybody would have a different definition. So it's, it's a broad sector um, in San Antonio. But it's really been kind of an on-the-job training over the last 12 years to get up to speed and understand both the federal security space and the commercial security space. And, I mean, fortunately for me, uh, has put me in a good position in terms of my knowledge of the industry that directly relates to what we're trying to do on the Ports campus today. Yeah, so you, you basically spent uh, 12 years getting the perfect set of skills for the, the role that you're in now. Now you're working with the, the port uh, more directly on economic development, growth, having a lot many of the conversations you would have on that kind of Chamber of Commerce public conversation side with the Air Forces to make the case for why San Antonio. Now you're making that case to private sector employers for why San Antonio. Absolutely. And uh, specifically over the last five years and through the Cybersecurity San Antonio program, just from a pure bandwidth and resourcing standpoint, I've been forced and we've been forced to focus on those big initiatives that, as I say, the big rocks that are going to have the biggest ripple effect if successful in San Antonio and uh, to your point, it was, for me personally, kind of the right opportunity at the right time. When you look at the port, it is one of, if not the kind of biggest opportunity we have to double down on the largest piece of kind of the base of the ecosystem. That's the defense security area. And it's a place where we have a leg up and nationally we're getting recognized for what we're doing. But I think now we're at a precipice to figure out how do we accelerate that growth and enhance areas of the campus not just from an operational real estate standpoint, but in ways that solve certain pain points and present certain opportunities for global companies to think very differently about San Antonio and the opportunity it, it presents for them to expand. Yeah. And yeah, so I was out recently for the uh, Startup San Antonio had an event out at the San Antonio Museum of Science Technology on the port. And as I was, I was driving out uh, by one of the buildings that the Project Tech that went up last year, it's got someone's logo on it now. It does. And in fact, this week, earlier this week, uh, we had somewhat a private uh, event, but Lockheed Martin's logo is on the side of that building. And the building itself and the decision by Lockheed, um, one of the largest defense contractors, not the largest defense contractor on the planet, to expand in an operational way is a big statement about San Antonio. We talked about it on you know the last time I was on. I think one of our challenges is while we have a lot of cyber operations here, Often the core operational piece, the labs, the ranges, the classified testing areas still reside up in the Beltway in the National Capital Region. Yeah. And so the decision by Lockheed to build a formal presence here and create that type of environment, it, it was a big announcement. Um, it was it was a great day for us at the port and that building as a whole. We're, we're coming up on a year since we went live with it and kind of did the opening ribbon cutting per se. 
and it it will be full soon. And so I think it, it's a good testament to the vision the Port team had prior to me joining to build that type of Class A real estate, direct proximity to the customer that is the Air Force. And on the demand side, it's proved out that was a good decision. Yeah. And you, you've got plans for, I've seen some renderings and drawings of, of more stuff uh, underway out there now in, in the planning and design and sharing renderings phase. What, what else is going on at the, the port right now? Well, and I think I'm allowed to say that um, we could probably use another building or two. Yeah. Uh, just formal real estate out there. And we're moving forward with what is that real estate? What does it need to look like? And we're moving as quick as possible because... The demand is absolutely there from the companies. Um, first movers like Lockheed have helped maybe pique the interest of other partners and competitors in the U.S. that are looking at those operational locations. Um, and so from a pure real estate side, we'll continue to redevelop and develop new properties because the demand side's there for operational locations on the campus. Um, but yeah. a very a new piece that's hit the news over the last couple of weeks is the launch of an innovation center on the campus, and that is somewhat of a drastic uh, change from the traditional real estate development that the campus has done is a new and exciting um, effort that will really create a destination and density in a way that we have not seen over the past 25 years as we've redeveloped the base. Yeah. And uh, Starbucks, if you're listening out there, uh, I think with uh, that Lockheed building and then uh, next door, there's a, I think Booze has their logo up on a building next door now. Um, all those folks, I'm certain, would be happy to grab a cup of coffee in the morning and uh, much more. So uh, if uh, you're thinking out there about, uh, I mean, this retail is going to be coming soon to some extent because if they aren't already calling you, the Starbucks site selection folks probably should be. So uh, now with this uh, effort um, out there at the port, we, and we, this is funny, we say out there at the port, uh, how far is it from downtown? So I always have to change uh, perceptions in San Antonio about that. Uh, if driving by on the highway, you are passing downtown, and then you're arriving at the port in five to six minutes, yeah. pending traffic. Um, so it's not far at all. Yeah. Uh, but there is a perception, because it's south of downtown, that it's a little bit further drive than, than the, it truly is. How far is it from SeaWorld? It's a good question. I've never driven from the port to SeaWorld. Um, yeah. Although I would tell you there's a lot of the 13,000 people that work on our campus that live out by SeaWorld. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with out. less than 20 minutes traffic pending. Yeah. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, I think you could I think you could drive from the from the port um even uh to the airport in 10 to 15 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's one of these things is where San Antonio it's um because the city's so big in a way it feels like it's far away but it's really not because as uh, many of you you may be sitting in traffic probably not while you're listening to this but while you're listening to 1200 wai our traffic here is not that bad folks um yeah go spend some time in one of the real major metros that has not done planning at the level that we have and uh, with the 410 getting expanded and the i-10 410 interchange in these 281 all gets done ahead of when it could get really terrible. So we're, we're still staying ahead of it, and hopefully as a city and a, a county, we can continue to stay ahead of the curve. Uh, things are slowing down a little bit. If you look at the uh, SA 2020 numbers, miles, average miles driven are going up a little bit f per person uh, per day, and the, the amount of time is going up a little bit, but uh, this is one that I think we can keep under control. And, and this really helps from an employer perspective because they look at this when they're looking to pick 
whether it's the port or somewhere else in San Antonio, are my employees going to have less than a 45-minute commute to and from work? Because they know the employee job satisfaction falls in a crater above 45 minutes. And um, you, you talk about the Beltway area. Um, it's pretty tricky up in, in D.C. to have less than a 45-minute commute. Maybe if you pick your house after you picked your, your employer, but if you if you were to switch employers inside of uh, that area uh, or get reassigned to a different building that may be in the other side of it might be in, in Maryland instead of on the west side, and now your commute is an hour plus. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I, and I know our community is strategically thinking about transportation long term when when I think about the asset and the campus that we have at the port and what that will look like five to ten years from now and the connectivity that will it will behoove our city to have between that campus, intelligence community assets out near SeaWorld, cross-cutting downtown on what UTSA is going to do with their National Security Collaboration Center, this ecosystem, you know, the catalyst being geekdom and the growing tech district, and then over to the Near East side and what Texas Research Technology Foundation will do with Velocity. If you think about that almost as an upside-down triangle, that type of connect- connectivity for professionals that will need to get point-to-point not have to get in their car, not have to get out of a garage, mass transit type opportunities. I think it's exciting to think about as each of those hubs continues to grow. And as a community, I, I think we're focused on how do we connect the city in a much more meaningful way and, and get people off the roadways to the extent they choose to get off the roadways in their own car. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the port is, I guess, almost as you UTSA expands downtown and then their main campus, you're not quite in a straight line in between the two, but you're really... Um, uh, sitting well between what's going on with the cybersecurity programs at UTSA uh, from a, a location perspective, and then uh, all the the work going on out at Southwest Research as well, uh, not very far uh, from the port to Southwest Research either. Yeah, one of the other well-kept secrets in San yeah. Antonio, Southwest Research, but an incredible organization. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think the for listeners out there, you're like, what is Southwest Research? So you've you've heard of the Mars rover. Uh, you've, uh, for sure, unless you keep hidden from the, the news, uh, and many, many other things uh, go on out there at Southwest Research. So I think there's over a 1,000 PhDs working on things uh, out at that campus. Yeah, and the neat thing, and we can't talk about it because neither of us know it in depth, it's, it's great to hear about all that they do in space, and it's incredible. The amazing thing is how much they do that is not in space that we won't know about, but yeah. it is solving real problems for the U.S. military, U.S. government, and so it's a fascinating operation out there. Yeah, now they've they've uh, one of the they have self-driving vehicles out on their campus, uh, so like they've been piloting and working on that stuff for twenty years, and yeah, all sorts of of cool stuff out there on that Southwest Research Campus facility. You're listening to twelve hundred WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm joined by Will Garrett, uh, who works out at uh, Port San Antonio, uh, helping uh, grow it, drive some economic development here in San Antonio. If you uh, just hopped in your car right now, you can listen to uh, the rebroadcast of this up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, March 19th. Uh, we also have uh, had the CEO of Port San Antonio, uh, Jim Pershbach, on the program before. And uh, and so, Will, we were talking just uh, before here about um, the new innovation, um, the San Antonio Museum of Science and Technology that's out there as well. I guess we've had David Monroe, who um, has supplied, I believe, almost all of the exhibits for the museum, maybe all of them. Uh, so David's got a really amazing, interesting background, um, invented and worked on the team that built the first personal computer, which was uh, built here in San Antonio at the Data Point Corporation. Uh, so uh, lots of great uh, content on our podcast archives if you are interested in 
innovation, what's going on in San Antonio and uh, some of the history of these things and where we're headed from here. Uh, with Will in the second half of the program, I was talking with him uh, as we were uh, on a break for a little while. We're going to do a kind of a, a, a deep dive. We'll pretend I'm an employer uh, thinking about looking at San Antonio and looking at Port San Antonio for the unique assets it has. And we'll do that uh, after our bottom of the hour break here for a news, traffic and weather update. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I will be back uh, with Will Garrett to talk economic development and cybersecurity companies. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, joined by Will Garrett, now Vice President of Cyber Economic Development. What is your exact title out there at the port? Formal title would be Vice President and Director of Cybersecurity Development at Port San Antonio. There we go. So if you were with us through that break and uh, listened to the first half of the program, I promised uh, you in the audience that uh, Will's going to give the overview of why San Antonio and why the port in San Antonio. If you are a uh, starting up a cyber business, uh, if you're a national cyber operator, if you are uh, going to be combining physical and software all together. Uh, and so we'll get into to that here in a moment. Uh, if you are not going to be able to stick with us for this uh, and you're listening on 1200 WAI right now, you'll be able to check it out on Tuesday, March 19th uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we will uh, tweet out and post up there uh, when those rebroadcasts come available. Uh, we put up blog post summaries of the episodes as well if you do prefer to uh, to read rather than listen along. We've been on the air now for a little bit over two years. Um, we've uh, we've spoken with many of the uh, CEOs and other leaders from cybersecurity companies all across San Antonio. And so this is also, I think, part of the, the pitch as well is just the, the number of companies, the ecosystem we have going on here in the city. Still a little bit of uh, Will's side of the story. Um, the CyberDef Dojo is uh, one of the largest cybersecurity um, meetups groups in the country, if not the largest. Uh, our ISSA chapter here in town is very active. Uh, and there's just a, a ton of things going on all across the city, but especially out um, at the port for where things are headed over the next decade. And uh, this is kind of where I'll, I'll hand off to, to Will here. But um, as we, we move from uh, just kind of internet and web technology to all of these connected devices, Internet of Things, robots doing more stuff. Um, and I'm a, a major employer thinking about building out my next R&D lab or uh, I'm a uh, if you're a defense contractor, it's pretty clear. I mean, your customers, they're the Air Force. So like you're going to have that pull out of the port. But if your customer's not the Air Force, uh, why Port San Antonio, Will? Well, so I'll start with why San Antonio and then drill down to why Port San Antonio. I think if you're any company, but specifically in the technology security space, I mean, there's a couple of dynamics you're looking for, whether it's when you're starting, whether you're, or when you're growing, you're looking at where can I find the talent? Where can I find the customers? If you're, you know, capital backed startup, where can I find the capital? I think as a community, we are building up 
more of an effective answer to the capital side of that equation, but tremendously strong from a, where can I find the customers? Where can I find the talent? Um, Customers on the federal side directly aligns to the opportunities that exist at the port. I mean, if you talk about your classic cyber defense company, someone that's looking at endpoint defense, well, what's the largest network in the world? It's the AFNET, the Air Force Network. And so it's a pretty significant customer um, and also a customer that is recognizing by a customer, not just the Air Force, but the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, that it may not be keeping up with the pace of change of technology and the rapid you know, growth of the attacker. And so how does the DOD and the Air Force here locally reach out and understand what a Brett's looking, what a, what a jungle disk is tracking, what are the commercials, commercial solutions in the marketplace that have no interest currently of working with the DOD. And so it presents a unique dynamic going forward of a campus that not only will continue to marry the traditional defense contractors, but also likely bring in a completely different set of entrepreneurs and founders and commercial companies that have solutions that are just currently not deployed within the Air Force. But I, I think the customer side on the federal is a much easier case. On the commercial side, we have some big entities here, and we have the nation's largest independent refiner, Valero, here. Um, we have USA. We have a broad financial institution backing, and I think operationally, if you're located in San Antonio, it is very easy to service the Texas market. But to service that market, you need talent. And that's probably where, as a community, we've been the strongest over the past decade. That is building pipelines that engage kids. I mean, we're starting to tap them in fourth and fifth grade, but definitely in the middle school and high school. Yeah, sending three Cyber Patriot teams to the Nationals this year. Absolutely, a tremendous amount of teams. I believe this year, again, the largest of any city in the nation in terms of the quantity of teams. And as you pointed out, the quality sending three of, was I think 24 total teams go in both open and JROTC divisions. But then the alignment of those career pathways and skill set development to, whether it's the Alamo College system and the two-year universities to non-traditional training providers like CODEP, Open Cloud Academy, or our four-year universities, public and private. Obviously, UTSA, and rightfully so, gets a a tremendous amount of press and accolades for their degree programs and their growing R&D presence in cybersecurity. And so if you're an employer, you have a long-term pipeline that you can bet on and plug into. You have a very solid entry-level workforce coming out of the university systems, but a unique dynamic that is somewhat unique to us outside of the you know Washington D.C. area is you then they have the experience pipeline coming out of the military people that have been in service for six twelve years they're getting out with skill sets that it's just impossible to train without those hands-on keyboard experience so I think that is a message that has and continues to resonate with employers that frankly on the coast are hemorrhaging talent that keep, can't keep that talent the talent is very comfortable bouncing around contract to contract, taking pay increases and leaving. It's very difficult to retain that highly skilled talent. And so it's it's not necessarily negative that San Antonio is less hyper-competitive today. Um, I think we'll continue to get more competitive as more employers grow in the market. But I think those factors from a macro San Antonio standpoint are why we're getting looked at by executives that five years ago did not consider San Antonio, but is the availability, the expertise, the levels of that talent the ability to tap into an ecosystem that is very focused on this sector. And so it's a, it's a good time to be here. It's a good time to expand here. And we're seeing that message validated outside in I mean, for the first time in a while. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. We have the, the folks that, 
retire from the the military that are based here in San Antonio. But then for anyone that's in the Air Force, they've spent some time in San Antonio, at least at the very beginning for basic training. So as folks are are getting out of the military, they've often moved around a bunch for their career. They're looking for a spot to resettle. And San Antonio is something that uh, a city where they'll at least be familiar from a, a basic training level to uh, everyone that was in the Air Force. And perhaps, uh, I mean, if you're uh, in many other areas of the military medicine and, and lots of, of other uh, things that are going on here at Joint Base San Antonio, you may have had a, a two-year or longer stop uh, somewhere along your military career journey. And absolutely, that foundational basis of training in the medical area, basic military training, pilot training here is hugely helpful because I think as a community, there are very few people that come through that training and leave with a bad impression of San Antonio. I mean, we're, we're called Military City USA for a reason. Um, there's also some unique assets on the on the cyber side of the Defense Department here that I think are helpful as well. And, and one I'll point out is kind of a micro example. The cyber protection teams with the stand-up of U.S. Cybercom, they started developing what they called cyber protection team CPTs. And we have one here, and it's Guard and Reserve Base. And that's it's a force that both supports Air Force's cyber from an operational standpoint, but in traditional Guard and Reserve could be called on to support the state of Texas, municipalities. We tend to think about the Guard from a natural disaster standpoint, but more and more, and in fact, we we're up in Austin talking to legislators about it this week. How do we change our thinking where we can call on those assets to support training, remediation, incident response on the cyber side? But if you look at that Guard and Reserve component, most of them may be sergeants or majors in the Air Force, and then... Their day job is executive vice president at a Silicon Valley company. So it's this tremendous level of talent. And why do they continue coming to San Antonio once a month for duty? Because frankly, they get to do things in that duty that they cannot do on the outside. They learn certain skill sets and the cross-pollination of what they're seeing in the private sector to the Air Force. It's a tremendous force here. Not all of them work here nine to five day jobs, but it's kind of a micro example, too, of what you were getting at. And that is the comfortability of the military with San Antonio, their desire to stay here, and the type of talent that comes through here on an annual basis just through the training missions that exist. Yeah. And if for uh, others, as it, the private sector side, I think uh, much of what's going on there in the public sector on the defense and uh, where I'm, I'm kind of headed with this, it shows the availability of talent here because, I mean, they go through rigorous site selection process because, I mean, they have bases all over. They could have decided to put the 24th and 25th Air Force in a whole bunch of other locations they picked here um, with the uh, the NSA as well. They did a, a big facility here. Uh, they can't hide it. And go on Google Maps, type in NSA Texas. You'll see it's uh, not very far from Port San Antonio. Uh, and they hire highly skilled folks. Um, they hire very many, most of them with uh, college degrees or advanced degrees. So, Because I think there's this perception, you look at the, the macro level stats in San Antonio, because we're a, a big metro that's uh, very diverse, um, our percent of college graduates don't match up to some other areas that where um, they have little micro cities or micro campuses, uh, and they have a higher four-year degree graduation rate. But I think that there isn't at the, the level, a lack of this completely, or you would not have folks like NSA Texas able to fill the roles that they have here in San Antonio. You have FBI as a, the, not just a field office here, but they have computer scientists and cyber uh, response here at the, the field office. Um, it's yeah, more than, I'm not sure what the FBI calls it. It's more than a field office. I don't know if it's their Texas cyber headquarters or not either. 
I don't know what the naming. Someone out there can correct me, uh, please, on Twitter or Facebook. Let me know exactly what the thing's called. But I know they, they employ computer scientists and other folks at that facility here uh, in San Antonio. And you've got the university pipeline you were talking about um, where the Department of Homeland Security, the NSA, has gone through and accredited many of these programs. So they've gone to check the quality of the curriculum and the students and to make sure uh, that the folks that are coming out which would be eligible to work uh, for for them uh, and they're getting the correct training oh you're absolutely right and I, I think talent uh, you know as I'd mentioned it's in number one through multiple levels and I mean, your point about the Centers for Academic Excellence we have five colleges or universities here that have been designated by the Department of Homeland Security and National Security Agency and it is not an easy designation to get or an easy designation to keep think if my facts are correct, we're still one of only two cities in the nation with that many colleges and universities. And there are active other uh, colleges and universities in San Antonio pursuing different designations there. But yeah, that's absolutely a testament to the quality of um, those educational programs. And when you add in what is a a very hidden part of our workforce, uh, when you mentioned U.S. intelligence community, both the members of U.S. government that work there, but in fact, people leave out, many of them when they relocate here, assigned to missions here, bring PhD level spouses that are teaching in universities, working in private sector companies. So it's definitely an exponential multiplier in terms of the type of talent that comes through these missions here. And at times, and frequently at times, transitions out and works in the private sector. So out at the port, uh, you have, and we you mentioned just a little bit, some of the advanced manufacturing, but um, from a and as I think about where we're going with Internet of Things and drones and all of this type of stuff, so um, most of that's concentrated out at the port, correct? Absolutely. For I mean, almost 100 years, it's been a critical part of the port's operations as the aerospace advanced manufacturing industry. There are some significant operations at San Antonio International Airport. If you drive by and see the orange hangars, the lineage that was the D. Howard Company, uh, but the largest maintenance, repair, and overhaul presence in some ways, from a company standpoint, their largest service centers in the entire world are located on Port San Antonio. Yeah, so this is like the Boeing and Standard Arrows and, and many others there. But And as you think about, and you're listening, you're like, well, well, this is just aircraft maintenance. They're fixing aluminum on wings. They're putting new jets on. These days, it feels like, as an air traveler, most of the maintenance is actually electronics upgrades, both in the cabins and the and the cockpit. Yeah, still a tremendous amount of physical maintenance um, and refurbishment, but it is getting increasingly more dependent. I mean, you could you could argue that a plane's just a big, big flying compu- computer that happens to transport people a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think that gets to where we are going as a campus at Port San Antonio. We have a tremendous aerospace presence. We have a tremendous cybersecurity presence. We have a growing robotics presence. How do we connect those? And then more broadly to San Antonio, how do we connect it to other major industries? And our CEO often describes it as platform integration. But to your point, the aerospace companies, whether it's Boeing or Standard Aero, for years have known about San Antonio's expertise from a maintenance side, maybe haven't been as aware they should have of the other capabilities that could enhance their operations, grow them here, and make them more efficient here, as opposed to having your technical maintenance done elsewhere in the United States, why not have it done hand-in-hand with your people that are literally taking engines off of planes and testing them out yeah. of our airfield? Yeah, they're they're doing that here for at least uh, one set of aircraft. I see some really pretty painted 747s over at that, that service center field. I don't know if I can mention on the air what their pretty color paint job is, but you can drive by and see them over there from time to time. 
Will's just not going to say anything about that There are that some one. pretty birds out on the airfield, yeah. Brett. Yes, there are. Uh, and so on the, the cyber piece, we had mentioned um, Lockheed and Booz uh, before the, the break, but you were, as we were uh, chatting during that news traffic and weather update, there's a whole bunch of other companies. You have some headquartered here in San Antonio and, and other national employers that have significant presence out there in the port already. Absolutely. And last year, I think at least locally in San Antonio, from just a media standpoint to the general citizen, especially those tracking technology and growth of companies, we had Lockheed announce major operational expansion and then this week finalized the opening of that new facility. Northrop Grumman, another major global defense integrator, opened a cyber operations facility there. IP Secure, an, a, an amazing story, homegrown company. Um, it was started here and over the last decade has grown rapidly in one of the most well-respected cyber uh, companies in the nation. CNF Technologies, it was started by Fred and Roxanne Ramirez years ago here in town, announced they were moving out to the Project Tech facility. Um, we have non-San Antonio-based companies as well, but small, nimble, agile growth companies. LGS Innovations, uh, recently acquired, in fact, by CACI has announced their expansion into the Project Tech facility in San Antonio. IOMAXIS, another very interesting firm that, let's call it, is doing full-spectrum cyber operations, a lot of advanced training and, and global infrastructure yeah. operations. For you cyber patriot kids out there, that means red team and blue team. Uh, and for, for those uh, that are not familiar with that, both attack and defense, yes. Yeah, and so some very neat, neat operations, both just from the pure capabilities of the company, but the type of training they're able to provide in environments they're building on the port to provide for the airmen to enhance those that are really protecting the Air Force network and the nation day to day. It's becoming a, a true cluster of capabilities not just those that sit inside the wire, that sit in seats supporting the Air Force on contract, but actually the types of labs and ranges and R&D facilities that, that weren't at the port five years ago, but we've had some tremendous momentum that is creating creating density that we, we really desperately need on the campus. Yeah, uh, this is it. So as you, you hear weapons ranges and ranges in the cyber world, that's a, a data center full of stuff that you can um, – attack and you can you can use your weapons against and, and so it's uh much more than uh like where you you have a, a weapons range where you're firing like physical bullets around this whole cyber thing from a, a warfare perspective is a totally different skill set it's a totally different type of, of build out you wouldn't put a a physical weapons range in the middle of a city anymore but the cyber weapons range is a it's a data center full of of server equipment uh that and a bunch of other specialized tools so that you can um set up and safely have these uh, attack and defense training exercises. Yeah, and Brett, to your point about the cyber, any cyber patriot kids uh, listening, first, always think about ethics. There's a word that it that's the reason the certification is certified ethical hacker. Yes. But when you think about skill set development, oftentimes the best defense is knowing a good offense. And when you you know cybersecurity professional and growing, if you think like the attacker, it helps you better defend the network or the company you're working for. And then, so on the the robotics side of things. Um, I would suspect that that in your aerospace, they're looking at robotics in many of their activities out there. If they're not already currently implementing them uh, in production lines today, something they're looking at. And then you have a couple of startups doing uh, some pretty cool things in in robotics out at the port, and you're you're well set up to um, house more of them uh, and help them grow from there. 
Absolutely, and and some in San Antonio might have heard uh, the name Reckon Point. Reckon Point and Plus One Robotics are two uh, growing robotic startups that are located on our campus. Reckon Point was part of the CivTech SA program ran by the city of San Antonio and Geekdom. Uh, have a technology for mapping, whether it's real estate. At the time, it was a possible app to map the airport, enhance the ability of apps and travelers to access services, understand which gates to get to. Um, there's a tremendous applicability of the background technology they have of not just mapping real estate, but when we talk about manufacturing floors and spacing decisions and future developments. And then plus one, uh, you think about robots and oftentimes robots today are much, you know, advanced and different than when you think of the traditional robots. They are putting artificial intelligence into major robotics uh, operations to enhance advanced manufacturing facilities, aerospace facilities. I think that's, that's a great point when you when you put it in that tie, and it goes to my uh, previous comment about platform integration, and you think about advanced manufacturing and their need for artificial intelligence, machine learning, think about the maintenance of aircraft, wouldn't it be neat, and some of these capabilities exist today, for instead of a, uh, a worker turning a bolt to a certain tightness based on feel, for that same worker to have on a pair of augmented reality goggles that is analyzing the exact tort of that bullet and is telling them, you've got it right, be able to pull up a schematic through a VR, AR module, understand exactly where on the plane. Um, we have companies on our property that have AR, VR capabilities here in the, uh, in the community where you can look at corrosion patterns on the outside of planes based on wind damage, and you can actually get to predictive maintenance where you're not maintaining on a regular scheduled basis. You're predicting when to maintain it, helps efficient, save costs, get the birds back in the air. So it's that type of integration that from a campus standpoint we're moving towards, but also within this innovation center on the campus, how do we create those very purposeful collisions and not just creative collisions? Yeah, and as you, you as a listener start thinking about the maintenance of aircrafts and the upgrades of electronics on aircraft, you start thinking about robots that are moving around physical objects or potentially even driving themselves around in a manufacturing facility. All of that stuff is powered by software. All of that software needs to be secured with cybersecurity because you would not want the avionics controls on your airplane to have um, hackers able to get into it. Uh, you wouldn't want them to be able to introduce bugs or other things in there uh, maliciously into the source code. And this is where all the kind of whole life cycle of the, the quality management and the threat assessment and risk management of cybersecurity professionals feed into the success of all of these uh, industries uh, where they're working in aerospace manufacturing, uh, building robots as we're gonna let these robots walk around. You don't want the robots falling into the wrong hands. I mean, we've, we've seen what happens in the sci-fi movies when the bad guys take over the robots. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, so a tremendous opportunity, I think, to connect legacy and growing industries in a way that thinks what are those capabilities five, ten years from now that mirror the capabilities we currently have in San Antonio. Yeah. And since you guys uh, have gone through this and you were a former uh, base, um, are there different benefits or incentives or other things available to companies for locating out on the port? Um. From a tax code side, there are some benefits because of the nature of our, our public entity. Um, just like anywhere in San Antonio, I think at the, the city government level, county government level, there is a, a focus on incentivizing where it's needed to tip the scales to for companies to expand. 
I think the neat thing we're seeing at the port, and that was highlighted last year, really, or over the course of the last year from announcements, is we're not as much needing to go out and try to incentivize people to locate on the property. Yeah. Because of the campus that we're building, the access to customers and technologies, this innovation center, which will drive a long-term talent pipeline, availability and opportunities for companies and missions, our, our case is being made for us because yeah. of the opportunity I th- there. I and think that- the incentive piece and the tax side of stuff is is really just a bonus. Like, you're going to move here anyways. Oh, and by the way, you're also going to end up with some of these incentives, unlike New York City, who tried to offer Amazon $100,000 per employee, um, and New-, New Jersey, who offered more than that, and neither of them are going to end up with the Amazon HQ2 facility. Yeah, at the end of the day, if you build the ecosystem – that has the right talent, the right customers, the right innovation environments. You don't have to sell it because companies are looking for those ecosystems. I mean, I think that's where San Antonio is at a critical point where we are still a market that many of the big tech and security companies may not have a presence, but a market that has the type of talent that is encouraging them to come take a look at our community. Yeah, and tremendous growth uh, in the metro overall, tremendous growth in our universities here. The four-year programs both at UTSA and Texas A&M San Antonio are rapidly growing in size uh, i think uh, as you look out over that 10 to 20 year horizon if you're going to pick a spot to go um, san antonio if it doesn't end up number one on your list uh, i will would love to know why so that we can get to, to addressing that and changing your decision uh, the next time you do make a selection i'm always a realist and we're not going to sugarcoat where we may have gaps in the ecosystem and we want to know where we may be deficient in other markets but i think there are many more positives and negatives at this point. We're going to keep working on those areas we need to improve and keep talking about those areas where we're leading the nation. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us again on CyberTalk Radio, and hopefully uh, some of your BuildSec Foundry companies will uh, come out and then take over a whole building as they go from startup to scale uh, here in our cybersecurity ecosystem. 